lesson out of Galatians for a little while. At least it should conclude the series. Where we're going next Wednesday, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. We might be going up. Could happen. Testing one, two, three. How's everybody doing? Yeah, that's great. All right, that helps if I take the mute off. Okay, all right, testing. Here we go. Verse 11. Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid, says Paul, that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the word or the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them in mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. There are some uh, preaching verses in that text, that passage there. We don't have a special, correct? Wonderful. Got a little extra time here. Okay. Let me pray with you. Lord, we are thankful for the Bible. We pray the Holy Spirit would teach us now from your word. I pray that you'd help me to speak. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. May you lead and guide as we study these passages that we've read, especially verse 17. We praise you and thank you for your holy word. Now we pray you'd meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Thinking if I can keep it toned down a little bit, I'll be fine here from coughing. Verse 11, I want to kind of work through, we're going to get to verse 17, that's the text. The title of the sermon is The Marks of the Lord Jesus. The Marks of the Lord Jesus. When we get to there, uh, it might turn into preaching. So we'll see. Verse 11, though, we learn something about the Apostle Paul in this letter that he, many times Paul had a, uh, a secretary, had somebody, he would dictate and somebody would write out what the Lord had given him, like the book of Romans, uh, possibly Timothy. But here, Paul personally wrote this letter. Obviously, it's God's word. And Paul says, you see how large a letter I have written unto you With mine own hand. So that ought to reveal something. It's not that the letter was long because Galatians is not a long letter, okay? 
It's six chapters. So that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the print, the font. He had to make big letters. He had to write this in a way that exposed that he was struggling with his vision. Did, he, did you know that? Some of you may have known that. And most likely that was his thorn in the flesh. I say that because I don't know for sure. But it seems to conclude that was certainly part of it. He had eye issues. All right. And in verse 12, he goes on. He's concluding this letter to the Galatians. And let me back up and uh, remind you of the purpose of the letter to the Galatians before I uh, go to verse 12. The churches of Galatia had been infiltrated. Jews had come in and tried to promote a works salvation. And they began to promote circumcision. We call them Judaizers. They were promoting circumcision amongst the believers. And in a sense, teaching them you've got to do this either to earn or keep your salvation. But in essence, it was making them more like Jews than like Christians, okay? So, <clears throat> Paul has, has to deal with this amongst the churches, and he emphasizes grace over works. That's a huge emphasis. But something else that had taken place, in order for them to promote a false doctrine, they had to promote, they had to, these infiltrators had to discredit the person who had promoted the true gospel. Are you hearing me? Paul, they had to discredit Paul. They had to undermine his apostleship. They had to uh, undermine even the fact that he was a genuine Christian. And so Paul writes this letter, and when you get to verse 17, you can tell it rubbed him wrong when you get to verse 17. So we're getting there. So verse 12, as he's concluding, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, circumcision, okay, <clears throat> they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. So they came in pretending to be Christians, those who are saved by grace, not by works. Those who didn't need, who, well, they came in testifying the right things about Christ to a degree, but then they began to promote this false teaching. And sooner or later, once they had opportunity, they began to poison the people with a false doctrine. Paul says about them, you know they're not true. They're not genuine Christians because uh, <clears throat> they promote circumcision. They're trying to make you feel guilty about not being circumcised. And uh, if you get circumcised, it's going to make them look good. Also, it's going to remove... Paul is reminding them they have not suffered persecution for the faith. Now, scratch your head. Why? Because the primary persecutors at this time were the Jews. The Judaizer, the Jews were the ones persecuting the Christians, primary ones. Now, later on, the Romans would really get into it, okay? But right now, many of them were doing it. And so, verse 13, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, 
but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. So Paul is just flat out letting them know, regardless of what they're telling you to do, these people aren't perfect. They can't follow the Ten Commandments. They're going to come up short, and you need to be mindful of that. They are doing this for their own vain glory. Paul goes on to say in verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great practical lesson here about dying to self. That's part of the Christian life, learning to die to self, because not everything's going to go your way. And if you and I don't know how to handle it, I'm telling you, it, it, we can lose our testimony. The practice of learning to yeah, hey, By the way, it wouldn't be called dying to self if it was easy. It wouldn't be called dying to self if it was comfortable. You see, this idea of dying to self, it's most necessary when it's most uncomfortable. Hello? I mean, it just you can mark that down. Dying to self is most necessary when being a Christian is most uncomfortable. Mark it down. By the way, that's the time that Christ is honored because nothing can resurrect until it dies. Hello? You want to live the resurrected life? You've got to learn to die to self. You'll never mature as a Christian until you learn to die to self. Oh, there may be days where you don't, but you better learn to practice it. And for the most part, <coughs> practice it a lot. There'll be opportunities if you're serving the Lord. There'll be plenty of opportunities because we're around uh, a bunch of sinners that'll give us plenty of opportunity to die to self. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, once again, uh, verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. So Paul, right there, is just mentioning this. I want to remind you that to know Christ as your Savior is sufficient. It's sufficient. It puts you on equal ground with those who have been circumcised and are saved, and those who are uncircumcised. You're all on equal ground. Because it's not circumcision that makes the difference. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. So, and it, uh, we're, we're in God's family, a new creature, as a result of faith in Christ. Paul goes on to say, and as many as walk according to this rule, that is the rule that Christ is what makes us equals, okay? This rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God, the chosen people of God. As a born-again believer, you're chosen of God. You're chosen of God. Now, verse 17, here we are. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I tell you, just reading that, I ask you, does that appear to be written by a man who seems to be a little provoked? I, I'm, I read it, and I'm thinking, Paul's concluding here like, I just want you to know what these people have done has bothered me. The way, am I the only one catching this? I got four people nodding your heads. Rest, all right. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Here we go. <coughs> the word mark there. The word mark. When he says uh, the, the marks of the Lord Jesus, the Greek word, and I don't do this too often, but every now and then I think it's, it really holds a lot of weight. The Greek word there for marks is stigma. That's the Greek word. Now, you and I use the word stigma. You know, we understand what it means. Okay, somebody gets a bad reputation or if they get known for doing something, they get stigmatized for something. If you walk around with a hoodie, 
Hello? I mean, listen, I'm just telling, if you come to my house at night and I don't have the nightlight on, you got a hoodie, you're going to hear a gun go click. Oh, what are you saying? Uh, yeah, well, that kind of character has been stigmatized. Now, are you hearing me? All right. So uh, that's the Greek word. Now, that Greek word was used often when they would brand their property, whether it be an animal, oh, get this, or even a slave, a slave. They would be branded. They would be stigmatized, see? That, that's what they would do. <coughs> Paul says, I bear in my body this brand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's, he's letting them know, I don't want to hear anymore about them undermining me because I have proven my authenticity. I want to show you in the Bible where this, this one portion of Scripture says it all about the marks that Paul bore in his body. Now, literally speaking, ladies and gentlemen, literally speaking, we're talking about scars. We're talking about being, he, he'd been whipped. I mean, he'd been beaten. He's, he, he's got scars on his head, his skull, his face, his back, all over his body. For the cause of righteousness. Now, take a look. Don't lose your spot here. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11. <coughs> Man, I hate that. I feel fantastic. Ah, I just need, I think I just need like a, a, a little, a, a little miniature backhoe to just scrape everything up out of there. That sounds gross, doesn't it? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and if you'll look at uh, verse 22. Verse 22. Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. This is the Apostle Paul giving us his testimony. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes above measure. That means he'd been whipped in prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. So take, number, take five and multiply it by thirty-nine. That's how many times he'd been whipped. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils by mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. Hey, he's not done. It's not like he's bragging on himself. He is being absolutely authentic. God preserved this in His Word so that you and I could see what this man went through for the cause of Jesus Christ. You think you got it bad. So, verse 27, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak, and I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, 
I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes, Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. It wasn't time yet for Paul. Now we go back to Galatians. And now Paul says, he says, I don't want any more trouble. You Galatians, you've read the letter. I don't want to hear about any more problems. I don't want to hear about you mistrusting me. I don't want to hear about you not, val- not believing that I am who I claim to be. I want you to know I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reality is they knew that. They knew that. As a matter of fact, earlier in the book of Galatians, he said some of you would have given your own eyes. He was being a little hyperbolic there in the statement, but he, he knew he was aware of their love for him. They'd have given their eyes for him, is what they said. So, Paul, he does appear to be irritated here, and that is why he writes this. <coughs> now, <coughs> you find out about a, lot, about a man's metal if you stick him in the fire. You find out what he's made of when you stick him in the fire. And you find out what a Christian is made of when you put him in the fire. The reality is this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm fully aware that a real, genuine Christian can run from trials. But I am also fully aware that an artificial Christian will definitely run from trials. Hello. An artificial Christian, he's not going to go, he or she, they're not going to go through the fire. They're not going to take a, to take a whipping for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not going to go endure suffering. They're not going to lose a job. They're not going to get embarrassed by the crowd. They're not going to go through the mockery and the ridicule for the cause of Christ if they're artificial. Hello? Now, I realize some Christians may not either. Some real Christians are really saved. But I'll tell you who will. A genuine Christian really will. A genuine Christian is really going to stand for what is right and what is true, what is honest, and they'll endure the fire for the cause of Christ over a fake. Now, I want you to notice some things about his marks. Number one, they were visible. His marks were visible. When he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ, those Galatians knew it. Maybe they'd seen scars on his head. Maybe they'd seen his back and saw the, the scars on his back. In the eyes, maybe they realize his eye issue was a result of that stoning in Lystra that he received, and they left him for dead. And maybe they were fully aware of this, okay, fully aware of this. It was visible. These marks are visible, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Uh, These marks would validate him as God's property, as God's property. You see, remember when I mentioned to you that word, I bear in my body the marks, the marks, and that word meant stigma, and they would use that word stigmatize when it referred to branding. And those who own property often would brand their property, even the slaves. Remember when I mentioned that to you? Well, when Paul says this, you know what he's saying? When they're getting ready to, when, when he's in Jerusalem and they're getting ready to tear him to shreds, you know what he's telling the Lord? You know I love you. You know I love you. I'm telling you, he's validating Who owns him? Remember what he said to the Corinthians. He said, I've been bought with a price. And you've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. That's what he said. He understood who his owner was. He understood who his master was. He understood he was a steward, not an owner of everything he had. (coughs) You say, well, this don't sound comfortable at all. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for a life of ease and comfort, you're going to get disappointed. Man, that's not fun. Uh, the good news is you, get, you can have Jesus with you all the way. And Jesus is such a sedative that he can make trials feel like comfort. And he, he can make a backslidden Christian who feels comfortable in the world uh, miserable, whereas he can make a Christian who's walking with God going through trials feel comfortable. Who is more comfortable? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? Or Nebuchadnezzar outside the fire? Who is more comfortable? Hello? All right, we move on here. By the way, the Holocaust survivors. You know, after World War II, they all began to find themselves. You know how they found themselves? You know how they validated who they were? Every single one of them had a tattoo, had a mark on their arm or their back. You all know that, right? They'd hold that out and they understood, you know what I went through. You know what I went through. And they had a natural bond just because of that mark. That mark right there connected them. That's what it did. And I'm here to tell you, friend, when you see a brother or sister going through a crisis that you've went through, there's a natural attachment. There ought to be a natural connection. I've been there. I know what it's like. I know what it's like for my husband to leave me. I know what it's like for my wife. I know what it's like for my child to do this. I know what it's like to be betrayed. And, and you see, or I know what it's like to sit in a hospital bed and, boy, that thing flatline, and then all of a sudden come back to life and realize, wow, I was that close. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to, to uh, all of a sudden uh, experience financial uh, uh, <clears throat> mishaps and man I'm struggling and I know what it's like and when you've gone through it and somebody else goes through it it'll help it, you, there's a natural affinity there you can understand them you can have compassion on them especially if you stay faithful <clears throat> Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 he said this that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship. You see this idea of him uh, bearing the, these marks? They validated his love for Jesus. And they validated his walk as a Christian. Number three, I'd say this in regards to these marks. These marks were victories, not defeats. You know, it's one thing to receive suffering for your wrongdoing. It's one thing to get scarred, go to jail for something you did you shouldn't have been doing. Hello. It's one thing to get ridiculed for bad behavior and get criticized for uh, 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 breaking laws. It's one thing to experience great trials because of bad behavior. It's another thing to go through it because you stood for what is right. You honored the Lord. You were faithful to Jesus. Are you with me? You see, the Apostle Paul, his... Marks were marks of victory, not of defeat. Not of defeat. Now listen, I thank God. I thank God He'll take us to the woodshed when we need to go to the woodshed. Hello? Because whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. And if He has to take you to the woodshed, I, I had a dear brother earlier this week were talking about this. I said, man, <clears throat> I said, I know I've been to the woodshed. He said, oh, I have too. I've been there a lot. I said, that just means God loves you. That's all it means. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. And scourgeth every, every son whom he receiveth. It's a blessing. I mean, he's not going to let us get by with wrong. He's not going to let us go our own way and self-destruct. He's going to get our attention. He's going to make it very uncomfortable. He might have to scourge us. And when you get scourged, sometimes you get scarred. But that's all right, because we'll look back and say, Thank God, it is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Like David said, hello. 
But see, we're talking about when Paul says he, he bears in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus, he says, oh no, this is victory. This is not defeat. This is victory. When they stoned me at Lystra, that's victory. I didn't, I didn't wave the white flag of surrender for Jesus. I didn't, I didn't throw in the towel for God. Hello. When somebody, somebody loses their job because they take the right stand, not with the wrong attitude. I'm, now listen to me. If somebody says, well, you know, I just can't. I, I just can't promote. I know you want me to go through this diversity training. You want me to, you want me to use these pronouns and that pronoun and all of that. I'm sorry, I can't do that. I mean, I'll be respectful and all that. And they say, well, we're going to have to let you go. Well, I'm sorry. Here's what you do. You say, well, I trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. And so, listen, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to make it difficult to anybody. I'm just telling you, this is the world we're living in right now. Even in the U.S. of A., that's the world we're living in. If we don't stand here, we're not going to stand anywhere. And the reality is people are being peer pressured everywhere. At school, they're being peer pressured. And they're, and they're trying to push you and push you and push you and push you. And you know, uh, people, God's people are forfeiting their own convictions so that they don't lose this and don't lose that. Hey, don't forget who gave, every, gave you everything you got anyways. Stand for truth. Stand for truth. And hey, let your suffering be, be a victory for God, not a defeat. <coughs> I didn't get a lot of amens, but I got a couple. That's enough. <coughs> All right, we move on. Number four. Oh, by the way, let me say this. Let me say this. I've got a few teenagers in the room. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but you know, there's a lot of peer pressure in high school, too. Junior high, even in elementary, there's a lot of peer pressure. There's peer pressure for these kids to listen to dirty jokes. There's peer pressure for kids to try some alcohol, do some drugs, look at dirty pictures. There's peer pressure, super peer pressure for these kids to be immoral. Immoral. Hello. I, hey, listen, we're not, we're not idiots, man. There was peer pressure when we were teenagers, too. See? That peer pressure's on. It's on. I, excuse the expression. It's hot and heavy. And these kids, especially... You go into the public schools, I mean, it's there. You're seeing it. You're seeing all kinds of strange things. All right. I'm, now, I know I haven't, been in the, I haven't been in school in a while. I know. And I know. So, but I, there's some weird stuff going on. At least compared to 20 years, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. <clears throat> now, I don't know if they're letting guys who identify as girls go into girls' bathrooms at your school. Are they? I don't know if they are. I know that some of the schools, they are. Some of them in the Midwest. You know, uh, but anyways, this idea of purity, um, just to stay pure is going to make you stand out. You choosing to keep yourself pure is going to make yourself stand out. It's going to make you stand out. They might make fun of you. They might think you're weird. That's all right. That's a victory if you're willing to endure it. That's a victory for God. That's a victory for your testimony. I'll move on. Because I think I'm going to come back to that in a moment. <coughs> Number four. Something else about his marks. I said his marks were visible. His marks would validate him. His marks were victorious. And his marks were viewed by God. You see, God pays attention to our sufferings. The Lord is a stronghold in the time of trouble. And he knows them that trust in him. Nahum 1.7. Psalms 46, verse 1. Uh, he is a very present help 
in time of trouble. Where was Jesus in the fiery furnace? Where was, where was the Lord when Daniel was the lion's den? Paul, the apostle Paul even said this when he wrote his last letter to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I just want you to know all men forsook me, but the Lord stood with me and delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to learn that. Stephen understood that. I mentioned that Sunday. Stephen saw Jesus. God pays attention when you're suffering for his sake. He's paying attention. He's watching. He's closer than ever. And so now this leads me to some final comments. Because, you know, I realize here in the good old U.S. of A. in Lebanon, Indiana, or uh, Jamestown, Advance, Frankfurt, wherever you're coming from, uh, we're not... The odds of us experiencing everything Paul experienced, pretty low. I mean, I understand if the Lord leads us to certain places, it could get real dangerous. But right now, right now, we can live the Christian life relatively secure. I know there's suffering. I mentioned some things. But what are some things, some marks we should bear as Christians? Remember, these marks were visible. And there ought to be something distinctive about your life and my life in this world today. See, Laodicea was a comfortable church. Man, we love comfort. I love comfort as much as the next guy. When I was sick, John, when you were sick, comfort was awesome. Isn't that awesome? I love it, man. I want to lay down. I want to get my little blankie. I, I want my wife to feed me chicken noodle soup. I just love it. Just, and I'll, I'll work it up, too, man. I'm... Oh, I'm just a dying. I need you, honey. I need you. To come. I need you to give me another bowl, please. I love comfort as much as the next guy. But man, we, we don't grow that way. We don't grow that way. And when the Lord does recover us, you get your health back. It's time to get up, get back in the battle. <clears throat> so let me give you just, just five marks that every one of us ought to bear in our body as Christians. Five marks. And I already touched on one. But I'm talking to everybody now. I'm not just talking to teenagers. We ought to bear in our body the mark of purity. The mark of purity. There shouldn't be anybody in this room that's known for dirty talking. Uh, We shouldn't be people who are known as immoral people. I mean, listen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Bible says, marriage is honorable in all things and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. That's in the Bible. That's New Testament. Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian. I don't care if you can quote the whole Bible. I don't care if you've led a hundred people to the Lord. Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Paul told Timothy, keep yourself pure. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness and faith and charity with him that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, said the Apostle Paul. Jesus wants us to be a pure people. He said, if a man look on a woman and lust after, he's committed adultery already in his heart. Ladies and gentlemen, purity begins with the mind. David said in Psalms 101 verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. He wrote that afterward. (coughs) Sometimes we learn our lessons afterward. Sometimes we don't learn our lessons at all. Hello? Hello? You see, even Job, Job 31.1, he said, I made a covenant with mine eyes that I would not look upon a maid to lust after her. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just telling you, God's concerned about the purity of his people, the moral character of, our, of his people. I mean, hey, we need to be careful about the things we laugh at. We need to be careful about the way we talk, 
the things that go in our mind, the things we allow our flesh to indulge. Now listen, listen, God made us with certain appetites, and those appetites can be gratified in marriage. You know, outside of marriage, it's wrong. It's fornication, it's sin. The marks of purity in our life. We ought to bear in our body the marks of purity. I remember in high school, <clears throat> the two young men that stood out, that stood out in our public high school. One was a, both of them were Methodists, actually. The Baptist was a radical. I could mention all three of their names. It was funny. In our little bitty town, I graduated from a public high school of 60 people. Our town was no bigger than Thorntown. And we had three churches. We had a Baptist, a Free Methodist, and a United Methodist. And all three of those preachers had sons in my class. It was pretty wild. <coughs> but I remember, I'll compliment the, the best one of all of them, the United Methodist, Andy Dennison. I remember Andy, he wouldn't go to the parties. And he wouldn't even go on the class trip because of things that took place on the class trip. I was a stinking heathen. I'm glad God whipped me. I'm glad he whipped me. But God put him in my life to let me know that's the way a Christian behaves. That's the way a Christian needs to stand. I mean, I, hey, listen. One of, the, one of the marks of every single one of us ought to bear wherever we go is the mark of purity, purity, purity. Say, so, well, man, I can't, can't have fun. You ought to have more fun being pure. Crying out loud, you sleep with a better conscience. We can laugh. We can have a great time being pure. It's okay. And by the way, it'll make your marriage vows a whole lot more okay. I move on. <clears throat> Marks of faithfulness. Marks of faithfulness. The child of God ought to be known as someone who shows up on time, keeps their word, or at least does everything possible to keep their word. And if they can't, they call in. They take responsibility for their actions. They're faithful. They're faithful to the house of God. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, <clears throat> but provoking one another. I love that word. Provoking one another into love and good works. <clears throat> that word provoke means irritate. Glory to God. There we go. We got it right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just irritate one another. To good works, though. Good works. So, you know, just being faithful. You know what? There are some people that attend this church. Now, yeah, some of them, they, they can't go out door to door. And they can't have a tough time even walking upstairs. But you know what they are? They're faithful. They're faithful. And they bear in their body, their testimony. Uh, they're faithful. They're fa Oh, Gladys, God bless her. She's a faithful lady. If she has a health, she's here. And I could say this about so many. You're a Wednesday night crowd. I mean, you're the most radical group of all. Faithful, faithful. Your neighbors are wondering, what on earth are they doing on a Wednesday night? <clears throat> well, we're not playing bingo. Not tonight. Wait till next, <coughs> next Harbor Lights. Number three. Number three, we're moving right along here. What other marks should we bear? Marks of service. Marks of service. You know, if anybody's going to serve, it ought to be the child of God. I want to compliment, once again, the men who showed up today. And I realize, I realize if many of you didn't have to work, We'd have had more men than we needed. I w we almost already did. We had men show up today and helped us uh, take the chairs down and then the old chairs down, load the new chairs up, hustle them babies, those chairs and babies, them chairs on upstairs. And I'm telling you, that's service. And, and I just, I, I praise the Lord for that. But <clears throat> that's, that's, a, that's a mark of a, of a Christian there. Someone who's got a servant's heart. A servant's heart. I don't care what your spiritual gift is. Every child of God ought to have a servant's heart. 
I don't care if you've got the gift of teacher, preacher, gift of prophecy, you've got the gift of uh, giving, uh, uh, or, or the gift of administration. Every child of God ought to have the gift of service. It's not a gift. Y'all just do it. Grace in the kingdom of God is the servant. It's the servant. I mean, see a piece of paper on the... I love it. I love it. <clears throat> Some people, because I, I, I've caught you. I've caught you. See a piece of paper on the ground, you pick it up, put it in your pocket, and later on you throw it in the trash. You didn't know anybody was watching. I'm glad the Lord let me see you do it. I just love that. I praise God. That's, and that's, that's a servant's heart. And we all ought to have, and we ought to bear that mark of being a servant at home, at work, and at, certainly at church. <coughs> Glory to God for a good cough to clean out the throat. I know you wanted to hear that. Almost done. Here's another mark. Mark of humility. The mark of humility. Can I, can I roam around? I think I can. Mark of humility. i got to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I've uh, been here long enough. I've seen it. I've seen it. And I, I, we, we all got to be careful. He that standeth, take heed, lest he fall. Uh, we got to be careful. But I've been here long enough. I, and I've watched some things. And I've watched different individuals. who, Man, they had everything right. They, they, they knew the right words to say. They, they brought the right Bible. Man, they seemed to dress right. and They'd even get involved quite a bit. But there was something about their testimony time. There's just something about the, their testimony time always had a little more self-glory than Jesus' glory to it. I, I'm, and I kind of caught that. And I'm just like, wow, I know. Surely I'm not the only one catching that. And that you, that you notice that. And, and then you discover some other things about them. Boy, they really struggle if you disagree with them. They'll lose their temper kind of quick. And it's like, Wow. They get, they get on edge a little easy, and you got to kind of walk on eggshells if, if you, you disagree. And, <clears throat> and, 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 and you realize, man, there, there's some issues there. And it isn't long. I've seen it. I've seen it. It isn't long till, in some cases, man, they're right back in the world. They're doing all the things they were trying to get on everybody else about they shouldn't do. What was the issue there? They lost the humility if they ever had it. They lost it. Friend, listen, we are what we are by the grace of God. I mean, if Paul said that, you and I better certainly say that. I can't do anything without the grace of God. You can't do anything without the grace of God. Any victory you have in your life is because of the grace of God. Now, did he want you to make a decision with the, of the will? Yes, absolutely. But regardless of, of the work and labor you've put into your Christian life, oh, remember, it's God that gave you the grace to put the work and labor in. Hello? Stay humble. Stay humble, because remember, man, remember, there isn't anybody around here any better than you or any worse than you. God wants us to have the mark of humility in our lives when we're talking to people. It doesn't matter where they came from. It doesn't matter what they look like or what they smell like even. I'm just here to tell you, you could have grown up the same way they did. And it'll help us. It'll help us. Where as a child of God, there ought to be a humility in our lives. I realize we can kid each other and we can have fun with each other. When all is said and done, there ought to be a humility that resonates from our lives. I said the mark of purity ought to be in our life. The mark of faithfulness, the mark of service, the mark of humility. Got one more. We got plenty of time. We're still going to get out early. You're going to beat the kids. I could use two words in this one. The marks of grace. The marks of love. You see, when I say the marks of grace, really, it's everything I've already mentioned. So, the marks of love, of love. 
Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have, how's that go? Love one toward another. That's how it goes. Not, not just the people that you, uh, you have things in common with. Hello? But all your brothers and sisters in Christ. By this shall you know, shall they, shall they know that you're my disciples. Shall they know, they know, the outside world. This mark here is going to identify you. This mark here will distinguish you. This mark here will set you apart from the world. What's that? Love. The way you take care of one another. The way you look after one another. When somebody's struggling, you go to help them out. Whether you try to help them in a move, whether you try to help them maybe some, with finances, whether you go visit them in the hospital, whether you make them a meal, or whether you write them a letter, whether you send them a, a card, uh, whether you give them a phone call, listen, listen, that, or whether you sit by them in church, whether you go up to them and say, hey man, I just want you to know I'm praying for you, uh, you make them feel welcome in your presence, I'm telling you, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Love, 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 that mark right there sets us apart. <clears throat> Those are some marks, ladies and gentlemen, that'll win for Jesus every single time. And by the way, if you have those marks in your life, you can look at those doubters and scoffers and those who might question your motives. You can kind of say like Paul, I don't want to hear any more about it. Because I know what I bear in my body. I've had to die to self. And I do love the brethren. And I can look in the mirror and I can know I've been forgiven and know that I've been changed. And that's a blessing. That's a victory. Father, bless the message. Thank you for the word of God. May the Holy Spirit help us this evening. <coughs> bless our invitation. We'll take a, have a brief song service and let you do as the Lord leads. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed and they're getting the song ready, you just do as the Lord leads. If you feel like you want to use the altar, you're welcome to use the altar. Brother Brian, come on up.